Good morning, everybody. Welcome into 104.3 The Fans Coffee Break. DMAC is back on his weekly coffee break appearance. I'm Rachel V. Hill. Thanks for hanging out with us on this Thursday. DMAC, please tell me all about your vacation, all the details. What'd you do? I went to Palm Springs to watch my son play baseball in a summer college league. In the fourth inning of the first game that we saw him play on the first day of our vacation, he broke his pinky finger when it was stepped on by a first baseman because he was given the catcher a hard time. And even though there was a runner on second and he was on first, the catcher decided to try to pick my son off, which was a stupid play. Um, the ball got past him. The runners went to second and third and scored on a blue pit. Doesn't matter. Broke his pinky on his thumb. He's out for the rest of the summer. So we planned on watching him play baseball for about eight straight days in Palm Springs. And he breaks his pinky finger in the fourth inning of the first day that we got there. So we got there. We had to fly in to Orange County, take a car, drive to Palm Springs. We got in about 1 a.m. The game was at 8 a.m. He broke his finger at around 8.45. And uh, that was the end of watching him play baseball. And instead, we spent time going to urgent care centers and doctors. Um, and then just, you know, kind of chilling in the pool for seven days in Palm Springs. Well, not the vacation you imagined, but I'm sure still getting to hang out with your son was fun. We doubled up, though. We decided after that we went up and met his girlfriend for the first time. He's got somewhat of a serious girlfriend going, which is cool. And we went to uh, Santa Cruz for a couple of days. And that was awesome. Jumping in the uh, Pacific Ocean, freezing cold water, stayed on the beach, went to bed with the sound of the waves coming in. Then we went up to San Francisco and I saw a Giants game in person for the first time ever at uh, Oracle Stadium, I think it's called. Beautiful stadium, one of the worst baseball experiences of my life. It's Northern California, San Francisco, McCovey Cove, on the water, San Francisco Bay. Rachel, it's middle of July, and everybody's wearing winter coats, hats, and scarves. I mean, it was, it was ridiculously cold. I mean, unbelievably cold. And um, I don't care how nice of a ballpark you build. It was by far the most ridiculous baseball experience I've ever been through. I've been to cold baseball games in March, college baseball games up in Greeley in March. I mean, okay, I'm rolling my eyes. I get it. I'm in Greeley in March. It's going to be cold. In the middle of July for a Major League Baseball game to be cold? you got to be kidding me. I mean, it was ridiculous. That being said, it was actually a remarkable game. The Giants won on a walk-off grand slam in the bottom of the ninth, which was amazing. But still, forget it. I'm never going to another Giants game again. That was ridiculous. And I also went to Alcatraz. Okay, Alcatraz has to be cool, though. Alcatraz was awesome. Super touristy thing. But it's just one of those things that, like, you know, you got to do. And I hope never to go to jail. Okay, okay. Now I have to ask you a question because my boyfriend's mom actually just said, good morning, Rachel, in the comments. So good morning, Janet. Thanks for hanging out with us this morning. But now we What's need up, to know, back to the girlfriend. We like her? Oh, yeah. Abs Are you kidding? Listen, the one thing that you got to, uh, as a parent who meets, like, the significant other of your kid, all you really want to know is, uh, do, 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 do you really like each other here? You know, and, and other than that, it's it's all great. So, you know, we've met her, and she seems to like my kid. He seems to like her. So, uh, cool. Yeah. And, and, and her parents 
run a um i think they made a bunch of money doing other you know real stuff in the real world um mm -hmm. and they own a couple of nothing bunt cake franchises in northern california and so we got a bunch of free bunt cakes yum i love those bunt cakes they're delicious. yeah buntinis i think yeah. there's one of those type of places out there at the old uh south uh southlands mall there but yeah, yeah little buntinis. one off of like uh, 470 in Quebec, I want to say. So See, there you go. By the way, I will say this, and you know, you know, I'm 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 working out. I'm I'm getting things back together. That's fine. All that's happening on vacation. You don't worry about it, right? You don't worry about it. I want to say uh, a special up yours to whoever the person was that delivered 14 boxes of Krispy Kreme donuts to the office yesterday. I mean, that was ridiculous. I, I am not even joking about how many boxes. It it was it was absurd. There had to be a hundred Krispy Kreme glazed donuts at the office. Now, Rachel, it's one thing if there's a three quarter empty box with you know how it is. You open it up and you know it's been there for a little bit, and there's like two and a half donuts left. One of them, like somebody decided, I'll just eat a quarter of it, and there's three quarters left. It's one of those sort of deals. That's relatively mentally easy to just say, nah, I'm not going there. But when you put a dozen boxes of Krispy Kreme donuts that are in pristine condition in the break room and around the office, you're just asking for trouble. So I, I, I actually don't appreciate that form of I'm, torture. I'm disappointed I wasn't there. I love uh, Krispy Kreme donuts. They are one of my favorites. So I'm very disappointed I wasn't there yesterday. But you yeah. know it's not not good, DMAC? I think that's coffee, and you won't believe what this quarterback adds to his coffee. Take a watch. Okay. Will Levis, quarterback at the University of Kentucky, and I have been known to put mayonnaise in my coffee sometimes. Oh, you need this. No, God, please, no, no! Thanks to CBS for sharing that video. DMAC, what are the odds you put that in your coffee right now and try it? Oh my God, I legitimately might gag it. <laughs> okay, Rachel, I will do anything for coffee break. Do you want to go add some more coffee in there? Because that was a long. Yeah, I'm area. low on coffee. You saw. You saw. I'm kind of low on coffee. <laughs> Not bad. Shut up. <laughs> it's not. I mean, it's like just drinking mayonnaise. So you know. Oh my god! <laughs> it's disgusting. Ugh. I need to wash out my mouth just the <laughs> Oh my lord. Okay, that's not good. DMAC, cheers to you. Everyone in the comments, they're saying no way. <laughs> they're doing the puke face. Cheers I just did it. I, I mean, I don't know how I could fake that. <laughs> I'm gonna oh make another god. cup of coffee. And I have to let her, like that was not planned at all. DMAC just went for it. That was not something we discussed previously, but shout out there to you, you DMAC. Alright, I'm getting another cup is. of coffee. What do you got next, Rachel? You know what? We anything I see that people put in coffee, DMac, I'm bringing it to you. What is that? 
All right, sounds good. Wait, I'm just throwing another cup in. It'll just take me a second here, Rachel. All right. Well, while we do that, the Broncos ownership will officially make their change on August 9th. It's become official, and that's right before the Cowboys come in town for training camp and right before preseason game number one versus the Cowboys. And we just learned that that game is going to be the most expensive game in preseason ticket prices currently at this very moment with being $50 to get in the door. If you look yeah. at the next week when the Broncos are at the Bills, it's only $7 to get in the door with DMAC. Yeah, I mean, that's ridiculous. You should not pay to go to that game. Uh, it is definitely not worth it. Uh, hey, it's a business. You want to make money however you want. I'm not going to be mad at a business for trying to make money. It's supply and demand. Um, I think it's I, I, on a more serious note, I suppose. I think that's unfortunate because one of the great things I think about preseason games and training camp in particular is it allows folks that can't afford uh, regular season games to actually go see the teams. So I think that actually sucks, Rachel, to be honest with you. Um, I don't know why they're hiking the prices up so much, I suppose, because of all the hype with Russell Wilson and the Cowboys are a big draw. Uh, that's that's a little disappointing to me. Again, a business can do whatever they want. You know, the greed sometimes the NFL kind of never ceases to amaze me. Um, I just I would tell people not to do it. It's not worth it. Uh, Russell Wilson likely won't play or not play much. Um, I, I think training camp's a good deal. You don't have to pay for training camp. It's free. And you get a good view of the players and what's going on. And I don't know. That that seems ridiculous to me. I'm sorry to hear it. That's way too much money for a preseason game. My $50 a ticket, yeah, to go and watch Russell Wilson maybe play. Are you talking about like in the nosebleeds? Like even the cheapest seat in the building is 50 bucks. $50 to get terrible. in the door. That's terrible. That's terrible. But speaking of training camp, we are one week away from yesterday. So it's going to start next Wednesday. And if you're planning on going day one, make sure you get there early because they are expecting a big crowd. DMAC, I believe you're going to be there, correct? I, I, I'll, I'll be there for everything. Be, yep. there, be there for the, the barbecue the day before, which has had some interesting moments. And, you know, every day for training camp, they, they're doing something smart for training camp. Um, and training camp has evolved, Rachel, over the years. There's there's no more two-a-days, for example. I don't even know if they're doing the, the walkthroughs later at night anymore. It really is only on the field for uh, a, a couple hours or so. And they're smart. They're doing it from 10 a.m. to basically noon every day. Because in, in July and August here in Colorado, we get uh, thunderstorms and, you know, tricky weather and lightning delays and, and all that. And so by doing it in the morning, they avoid all that. I mean, I've been part of some absurd training camps where it was so avoidable to, to you know, why are we even doing this? And torrential downpours and lightning. And I always feel bad for the fans when, when they're – because most fans, Rachel, will go one time maybe to training camp. So what if on your one day, um, you know, you there's a lightning delay? Yeah, no, it sucks. So I think what they're doing is it's the right way. It's early in the morning. I will tell you some advice, though. I know it would be very exciting. And Oh, by the way, maybe you actually know the answer. Are they going to do autographs or not? Because they haven't been for the past couple of years because of COVID. I believe they are planning to do autographs. Yes. Okay. So that's an exciting opportunity. Bring sunscreen because it's going to be really hot. This, it's, it's I feel like we're in Arizona. There, yeah. Yeah. So definitely bring sunscreen, bring water too, because you're going to be sitting on the hill and get there early. And I think what DMAC was going to say is maybe even wait till 
you know, maybe not day one or two. And it depends. If you if if your whole goal is to get an autograph, I, I, there's not. You know, it's they don't like Russell Wilson doesn't sign autographs every day. Usually, it's you know once in a while. Usually, they sign um, autographs by position groups. And so I, I just don't know what to tell you. In terms of football, I, I absolutely would wait a couple of days because they don't even put on uh, pads and there's no hitting in the first couple of days of practice. Yep. So I would, I would wait a little bit. If you can, I'd be a little bit more patient and probably wait for the weekend um, to go see things. That being said, um, I'm not going to try to trample down anybody's excitement. It's by far the most exciting training camp we've had in years and years and years. And I am excited for everybody to be able to go watch Russell Wilson. And we'll see what differences Nathaniel Hackett has as a coach and what they do. So um, I think there's a huge sense of excitement. And then on August 9th, there's brand new owners. I mean, and that's it. They they own the keys to the car. I know. It's crazy to even think about with all the drama we've had going around. And while DMACC gets his brand new cup of coffee. We had Stacy Ross on from Seattle Sports yesterday, oh. and she says that Russell Wilson is a PR relations manager's dream. Take a listen. Uh, oh. I will say, uh, Russell Wilson is a, is a unique a unique guy. I mean, he is someone who is very, very, very um, talented and also very guarded. Like, I mean, every other press conference we went to for Russell Wilson, it was like, he will not say the wrong thing. He is... As a rookie, it was like PR dream. And after you've covered him for 10 years or nine years or eight years, you start to think like, is I think that there's always this desire for authenticity with people. And it's really unfair to expect that from people who are in the spotlight and who have a ton of pressure on them, especially at young ages, right? Through his 20s. At the same time, even though it's very unfair to expect it, it's more satisfying when you get that from someone. So here in Seattle, I think people are eager to see if um if the next person to come in and and take that mantle not only will will he be as talented which i mean that's a gamble right because it's a rare talent but uh will you have someone that you feel like you can know and you can be led into just to you know their world just a bit more so it's an unfair thing to ask but it is certainly a side of russell wilson that was interesting to cover for 10 years I, first of all, love that Stacy was so open and honest. I was on Schlereth and Evans this morning talking with them, and I said, it's kind of like a breakup. We're all in this honeymoon phase of we love Russell mm-hmm. Wilson, or she's been dating Russell, obviously. She's not actually dating, but this is an example. And mm-hmm. she knows kind of the pros and cons of him because of the eight to ten years that she was covering him. So it's interesting to see that perspective. I know some people were like, oh, my goodness, Russ, but – I mean, it's a true statement, DMAC. He is very guarded and he's very calculated. And that's something I've already noticed. And he's only been in here, what, six months now? Yeah, I think it's kind of funny how people in Seattle are trying to talk themselves into this was a good time to move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you blew it, Seattle. I don't know how else to say it. Uh, you mm-hmm. are, it was one of the worst moments in your organization's history. The one thing I have learned, Rachel, in all these years of covering the NFL is if you've got a, a, a Hall of Fame quarterback, mm-hmm. you ride that quarterback as far as you can. One of my bigger regrets is how critical I actually was of Peyton Manning in his last year. And even though Peyton did not play well in his last year and he was hurt, what I didn't quite realize right then and there, and I realized it a little bit later, is there's just an intangible about those guys because there are so few of them, Rachel, really, seriously, there are so few Hall of Fame 
Um, I mean, Russell Wilson's a slam dunk Hall of Famer. I don't know. Maybe there's three or four of those guys in the league right now who are slam dunk Hall of Famers. There's really good quarterbacks, but mm-hmm. I, as much as I love Josh Allen, I'm not sitting here today saying he's a slam dunk Hall of Famer, but Russell Wilson is. And mm-hmm. Seattle is, is uh, I it's a breakup. It's like it's PTSD. It, it's like they've gone through some sort of injury or something. Um, and there's a they're divorce. Trying, it's, a, it's a solid divorce. You got the ring and now it's a divorce. Yeah. To, to act like, Hey, now it's time to find out what, what's going on with the next guy is, is a, is a joke. And you know, that's on you, Seattle, to try to talk yourself into some false sense of optimism for what inevitably will be five or six quarterbacks till you find the next right guy. And it's not going to be Drew Locke, by the way, Seattle. Um, uh, but then again, you know, uh, when you, you when you're lucky and you've been doing well for ten years, sometimes you don't realize how good you got it, and they'll figure it out. And Russ's personality—who gives a crap? In all honesty, um, it's a different way. The only the only reason I care, Rachel, the only reason I care is your sense of leadership and what you can do in terms of a positive energy, or or not even a positive energy, um, an effective energy to bring forth winning. Nathan McKinnon was a uh, like a borderline jerk to his teammates in a very intense sort of way. Peyton Manning was kind of intense mm-hmm. in that sort of way, very demanding. Uh, in fact, most of the NFL quarterbacks that I know, Rachel, throughout the years have that type of personality trait. The only other quarterback I've ever seen in 30 years of covering the NFL that kind of leads with that positive, everything is awesome personality was Tim Tebow. Um, and it, it did work for Tebow, Rachel, because he, he led with everything is awesome, but he also had, like, this ridiculous determination about winning as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you can't have is somebody who's just a complete uh, pacifist um, in that regard, and that was your Kyle Ortons and your, um, um, uh, you know, Jay Cutlers uh, and even Teddy Bridgewater. You know, did you ever get the feeling with Teddy Bridgewater that he burned to win? Um, You know, I think Teddy was like a nice guy. Teddy always said positive things. Teddy was always upbeat. But I I don't think Teddy took anybody to another level. He he is the ultimate great backup quarterback. And frankly, Locke doesn't really have that sort of thing going on. So, um, and Keenum was ridiculous. And Flacco, I don't know. I think Flacco was just trying to make sure all of his children – were somewhat, you know, he had he had five kids in six years, Rachel. Just what in the world was going on there? Yeah. You uh, need somebody who is who who there is just nothing but winning. Nothing matters but winning. And I think Russell Wilson is like that. So I don't really care what kind of package it comes in. And if he's a little phony and a little cheesy and a little hokey, trust me, that will not bother me for as long as he's here. And I hope Russell Wilson stays here as long as possible, even beyond maybe when he's playing all that effectively, because I think he's got the right type of leadership skills. So I think they're, I think they're trying to talk themselves into it in Seattle, Rachel, like somehow it's a good deal. It's not. Oh no. They got the short end of the stick. I think we can all agree on that considering they're going through what we all went through the past two years with a quarterback battle. Stacy did say that it's not really a battle. Geno Smith is the front runner with Drew Locke needing to do a lot of work to be able to even be in the conversation, really. 
But with that being said, she still said that Russell Wilson is a PR, so a public relations dream, because he always says the right thing. So we thought it would be fun. And I want to preface this because we do talk about alcohol and drugs here, and we are no way making fun of anything like that about alcoholism or drug abuse or anything. But just how these situations were handled um, can be a little funny sometimes. So, DMAC, you've been known to ask the hard-hitting questions quite a few times, and you've never stepped away from it. So our first one I want to talk about is Akeep Tlaib. And when he accidentally shot himself in the leg in June of 2016, and you were like, hey, I'm just going to ask him straight up about it. Uh, yeah, I just said, Akeem, to straighten things out, uh, clear things up, did you shoot yourself in the leg? And that's when he came back to, to, to camp, and uh, it was a remarkable gunshot injury because it went through his the back of his thigh and through his calf, and he just needed like a Band-Aid or something. I mean, it was unreal. Um, and I understand you preface things, but this was a PR nightmare. He yeah. was, you know, using uh, substances – leaving a strip club um, with a loaded weapon. And it went off, and he shot himself. Yeah, that's a PR nightmare right there, Rachel. He said the situation was under investigation, and at the end of the day, the police investigation said, yes, he did shoot himself, and the NFL, uh, there were no consequences about it. It was amazing. And I remember a year later seeing Akeem Tlaib, like, hugging and laughing with Roger Goodell, and I'm like, that's incredible. <laughs> so I think the reason why PR-wise it wasn't really all that bad is because Akib kind of just rolled with the punches a little bit. He was actually fine in answering the question, even though, you know, he put it off. And if you don't fight against it and you're still a effective member of the team, and I guess if it only affects you, I guess it's not that big of a deal. I guess. True, true, true. Uh, definitely a funny moment. I know a lot of Bronco fans remember that story coming out. Another one is John Boyette because he was arrested and he's got quite the the run when he's talking about it. So he was arrested back in 2014 in Greenwood Village after police say he drunkenly headbutted and punched a cab driver, stole a shovel from a construction site, then tried to hide from officers by covering himself in mulch. Court, court records showed. And then he also had the lovely quote of contact his boss, John Elway. You know, I mean, I guess if you want to call John Elway, you can about that kind of thing, DMAC. Well, that again was not that big of a PR nightmare because uh, they just cut him. <laughs> He's out. Good luck. <laughs> that was kind of the end of John Boyette. Uh, my favorite detail was him um, trying to cover himself in wood chips at the Shane Company on Arapahoe Road. Just to me, just the, you know, you're throwing wood chips on yourself is, um, and another story about that, John Boyette was a guy that just caused a lot of, he would always, I don't know, he was always hitting guys when he shouldn't, or he's causing problems, and he, okay. uh, kind of in a good aggressive way, and John Fox uh, said famously after this whole incident, uh, I didn't realize his first name was John, because everybody was just calling him F-word Boyette, um, but, um, but yeah, that was the end of uh, his career. And another fun note, he came from the mean streets of uh, Napa Valley. Oh, the mean, mean streets. Robert said, my favorite question that DMAC ever asked when it comes to keep to leave. And then Troy said, ditto with Chad Kelly, which leads us into Chad Kelly. Obviously, the famous Halloween party, Von Miller's famous Halloween party. He was arrested 
um, and on trespassing charges while in a cowboy costume following the Broncos Halloween party. And if we all remember, he stumbled into someone's house, sat down on their couch, mumbled incoherently, and then got hit with a vacuum tube a bunch. <laughs> well, it, it specifically, it wasn't just a cowboy. He was dressed up like Woody from Toy Story because no. the Halloween theme um, that Von Miller had at the uh, um, Gothic Theater there on uh, Broadway, I think it is, um, mm. was was Western. But that that was an infamous party because there were guys that, you know, got in trouble because they were simulating that they were doing cocaine. And then Chad Kelly, yeah, that's another part of it. And then um, it's like, it was like a Dave Chappelle character. Um, mm -hmm. And listen, it's it's all a Halloween costume thing. It's innocent enough. Chad Kelly, though, was so out of his brain stumbling down the street, he went into a stranger's house and got smacked in the head with a vacuum tube. Um, that was actually, there was a serious part of that. Because Chad had issues before coming to the Broncos, and he was injured and kind of just practiced by himself for a year. We thought he was on kind of the straight and narrow, and he was doing all right. But he had some – obviously, Chad had some demons on that, and, uh, and and it did cause a problem. I mean, it caused a day, a full day of all the Broncos brass having to figure out what the hell happened here because it was such a crazy story. That that You know what, though? And I, you may be getting to the Matt Prater story, too. But the Chad Kelly dressed up as Woody getting hit by a vacuum tube, that's that's pretty good. That's that's as about as zany as you're going to get. Okay, I, I actually do not have the Matt Prater because I wasn't sure how long of time we were going to have. So that's a classic one. That, we, we could do an entire coffee break on the on the Matt Prater, Ikea, uh, Shotgun Willies, uh, you know. That, that's another great one, though, Rachel. These are awesome training camp stories all coming up. I was going to say, just Google that one, everybody. Uh, but the next one is, again, you asking the hard-hitting questions when it comes to Von Miller. And this happened at the media barbecue brunch where he said, marijuana absolutely not part of my life due to the question you asked him. Well, Von had been going – Von had been recreating uh, or filming perhaps Hangover 4. And he he had been in trouble with the league. It, that wasn't a secret, and, uh, and it had to do – with marijuana, and this was very early in his career, actually, relatively, 2013. So um, it was a terrible mistake by Vaughn. He wasn't in a good place at that time. And and the one good thing about the Broncos, what they always do, is if you get in trouble or their, their philosophy is face the music right away, be up front with it, we're not going to hide you, and then you don't have to talk about it again. So this was on the barbecue the Wednesday before training camp starts on a Thursday. And they just did the PR stuff. Jerry, you got to understand way before COVID. So it's everybody gathered around like this round table. It wasn't even a square table. It was a big round table. And we we're all kind of on top of things. And so I was like, ah, okay. And I was a little bit late getting there. I'll tell you that. I just, physically, I just got there just a little bit late that particular day. So I was kind of in the back. And I'm like, well, somebody's going to ask him about the weed. I mean, surely somebody's going to. I mean, it's what else is there to ask Vaughn about? And Rachel, I kid you not, that press conference with, with, with Vaughn went for like 20 minutes and nobody was asking him about, you know, the most obvious question. And I was like, well, how exactly do you phrase that? Uh, like, how do you actually how do you ask him about the weed and your issues and all that sort of stuff? So it was very near the end. It was at the end of the whole thing. And I realized, wow, nobody is going to say something. So I blurted out, Vaughn, is marijuana part of your life? 
And he said, absolutely not. Um, and it kind of took a life of its own about, you know, is, is, is weed part of your life? But I do love the phrasing of that. Is, is, is marijuana, and I said marijuana, not weed, is marijuana part of your life? I'm just a, a pinch proud of just how I put that because it's an interesting concept. It doesn't mean like, you know, do you smoke every once in a while or did you smoke? It, 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 it implies, I think, are you so dependent on it that you can't, you know, this is really controlling what you do. Is it part of your life? And when he said, absolutely not, okay, cool. You know, asked and answered and defiantly answered. Now, whether he was telling the truth or not, I mean, who knows? But it was just a very classic, iconic sort of moment. But, you know, the proof is in the pudding with Bond because he did get in a lot of trouble early in his career. But once he went through their program, got cleared from the program, which he was, Bond wasn't in any problems whatsoever, Rachel. Never got in any problems like that uh, the rest of his career. So I think for Bond, you know, not that Bond would probably have anything nice to say about me, but I think that was a pivotal turning point for Vaughn. And, and, and frankly, it's not that I was friends with Vaughn, but I talked to Vaughn a million times after that. And mm -hmm. our interactions were, you know, cordial. Um, not, you know, I wasn't like friends or anything like that, mm -hmm. uh, but they were cordial enough and nice enough. And I, I talked to Vaughn many, 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 many times after that, that question. Okay. And I, I, talked, to Tlaib, I talked to Tlaib many times uh, after shooting himself. And I never got to talk to John Boyette. Oh, man. Another one that's actually entertaining that I do not have anything for is the COVID bracelets and Drew Locke and the quarterback oh. room. And that is a PR nightmare. Well, that you're right about that, Rachel. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was a horrible PR. Oh. oh, no, it looks like we may have lost DMAC. Hopefully he can come back. But yeah, that one. That one might actually take the cake for probably one of the biggest PR nightmares because obviously when it comes down to Kendall Hinton, he had to step in at quarterback because no one else was available. Definitely a heartbreaker there too. But another one that we want to get into actually involves the Colorado Rockies and Dick Monfort. And of course, our Rockies insider, the guy who knows all the baseball, Jake Shapiro, is able to join us. And Jake, of course, we hope we can get DMAC back. We're not sure what happened there. But hit me with the scent from my iPad drama. Yeah, so uh, Dick Monfort's email is just out there. You can see it at the bottom of this page right here, dick.monfort at rockies.com. And you can send him an email, and chances are he might respond. As recently as last year, he was on the Internet responding to emails, and Purple wrote a story, the Rockies blog for SB Nation, about them. But these were the ones that blew up in 2014. If product and experience that bad don't come, of course, with – not good grammar. And then he actually followed up with Denver does not deserve a franchise. Uh, mm -hmm. If you guys are going to treat, you know, me like that more or less, which is funny because this was such a bad PR story that he actually ended up having lunch with uh, a, a person I'm friends with. Her name is Chris, who was one of these people that sent these emails. It's like, Hey Dick, why don't you guys try harder as a baseball team? And, you know, he sent some nasty email back about like, you guys don't deserve a baseball team. So Dick got lunch with a bunch of these fans after this had happened. But for, you know, 10 years now, if you say sent from my iPad around Rockies baseball, everyone knows what that means. Absolutely. All right. Well, Jake, as always, appreciate you. A shout out to DMAC too. We appreciate him. We love all of his stories that he's able to bring, but that is going to do it for coffee break today. Andrew Mason will be back with me again tomorrow. I know, DMAC, you're... What? 
What is wrong with me? What? Seriously, what the hell is wrong with me? What is my problem? What is my problem? I mean, okay, maybe it's fine if I'm in Edmonton or St. Louis, I guess, or poolside in Tampa. What the hell is my problem? I'm sitting here with my cats in Centennial. I really more like Aurora. But what is my problem? Technology, apparently. Maybe the coffee gods are mad at you that you put mayo in your coffee today, D-Mac. I, I don't ridiculous. know. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. Robert says, do it together, D-Mac. All right, that is going to do it. D-Mac, as always, appreciate you, your stories. Jake, thanks for hopping in. And thank you to everybody for hanging out with us, too. We'll be back. Andrew Mason night tomorrow morning, 10.30 a.m. Bye, everyone.